today we're in for a treat. Uh, this last Wednesday, I went to our AU student night. And any, any, any teenagers in the house, come on, let me hear you make some noise. What I love about our church is it's not just one generation. We have silver hair. We have, well, we have some young people with silver hair too because they dyed it. But we have young people and old people and everybody in between. How many like the fact that nobody stands out at our church? It doesn't matter who comes. Like you, you're not going to stand out. Um, you'll fit right in. And we're really grateful for that. But one of the great things that I saw um, at our youth group was how so, there's such a hunger for God's word. So it's such a hunger. And in a generation where statistically this generation is being told there's only going to be 4% Christian by the end of their generation, we're trying to change that. We want to ch- I say we're trying to change that for the glory of God and for the hope of the world. So my, actually, I went there this Wednesday night. My daughter preached a message um, that was so powerful. I'm a little biased, but I, I honestly, I try to look at it like, man, let me just listen to it, not as just my daughter, but it was such a great, solid message. And uh, she actually just turned um, a year older yesterday. We have three birthdays in two days. Friday was Mariah's birthday. Then the twins, Victoria and Alexandra, yesterday. That's because we're such good planners. Let's plan this out really good so we can just knock them all out. No, it's really because uh, Diana couldn't keep her hands off me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we love our kids, but we love this generation. And I was thinking about this. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this. One generation commends your works to another. Think about that. One generation commends your works to another generation. If we don't If we don't take what we have, the relationship with God, and if we don't pass that on to the next generation, look at me, everybody, look at me, we lose. But if we can get this to the next generation, man, we win. And I'm I'm telling you, it's so important to pass the baton in the right way. You've seen the Olympics, and they're running, and they're running, and they're passing the baton. Man, they they can't just throw it to the next person. They have to make sure that they have a, a tight grip on it, and then they can run with it. Because if they drop the baton, it's game over. They lose. So God's very, he's very generational. He's not just the God of Abraham. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we see this picture of God, and we're trying to do our best to pass this thing on to the next generation. How come these kids are down here jumping, and how come there's so many lights? Because we want the next generation to know. And I love it when there's, there's senior citizens that come to our church and say, man, I just love seeing the young people on fire for God. Because you get it. You get it. And we want to do this. One generation commends your works to another that they may tell of your mighty acts. They literally should be able to articulate what God has done for generations behind them. We stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, and we honor this generation. But there's going to be another generation, and we need them to get this right. Amen, everybody. Well, I heard my daughter preach this message on Wednesday, and I said, this is back to school blessing Sunday. This is move up day. All the kids are going to the next class. I want all the students to hear from one of their own. So today, ladies and gentlemen, can you please help me welcome my daughter, Victoria Nepstad, as she preaches her first Sunday sermon. just for a second. I don't want to go any further without giving honor where honor is absolutely due. 
You guys know them as Pastor Diana and Pastor Sean. I know them as mom and dad. And I just wanted to honor you guys because you guys were the ones that helped me become the little woman that I am today. And you guys have done a fantastic job at building a life-giving church, a place where people can find hope for, the, for their tomorrow and healing from their yesterday. And I just wanted to honor you publicly. If we could just clap our hands for our pastors, our leaders. You have done an amazing job at creating a life-giving church. You've seen where we were and you've seen where we are now. And I just want to say, you've done a great job, a really great job. I am so excited to be here today. I really feel like that God put a word on my heart for a time as this. And I really hope that it touches all of your guys' lives. And if you guys don't mind, we're going to dive right in. If you get, get, have your notebooks, have your pens, whatever you could write on, we're going to dive in. My message is entitled, In Between. In Between. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for what a good day that you've already planned ahead of time for us to have. I thank you that you are going to change lives, transform lives today. I pray that you help me communicate this message the way you communicated it to me, God. And I pray that for open hearts and open minds, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have you ever been stuck before? We had an amazing time changing a nation in one day in Nicaragua. Yeah. It was truly life-changing for me and I'm sure for all the other people that went there. And if you haven't been on a missions trip, I highly encourage you, 2019, we're going to Peru. It's going to be insane. Start saving your dollars. It's going to be great. But Nicaragua, while we were trying to leave, we ran into a little dilemma. How many love the dilemmas in our lives? No, I don't like them. But we, while we were trying to leave, we ran into a little something. Have you ever been excited to go somewhere where you're ready to leave something behind, but you're not quite at your destination yet? That was us. We were stuck in the Nicaragua airport for nine hours. I know. Nine hours being stuck in a closed space. Now it was fun at first. Like, we got the full missionary experience. It was great. We had, we just got our lives changed, got some good souvenirs. We just got some food. It was so much fun. But then the heat got us. How many know what, what that, when there's heat involved, you see your own true colors? <laughs> and you see other people's true colors. You see all of it. But it was like you could tell everyone was trying to keep a smile on their face, trying to keep that good missionary attitude. But then it quickly turned into, if you touch me one more time, <laughs> one more time, I will hurt you. <laughs> I thought we were missionaries, but I guess not on that time. So everyone just needed sleep, because you know sleep solves every problem and is the answer to every solution, right? So I tried sleeping, but it was a little difficult for me. I had three opportunities for beauty rest. One, I tried sleeping on the chairs, but the thing about sleeping on the chairs is that they put armrests in between each one so no one can fall asleep in them. That's just messed up. I tried falling asleep on the ground, but the ground is not holy. It's not a good place to fall asleep. I even tried sleeping, like having a team effort with my sisters where we sleep on each other's backs. But let's just say that didn't work out. But we didn't go to Nicaragua 
to sit in the airport for nine hours. It wasn't where we were headed, and it wasn't where we were coming from. There's a group of people in the Bible that knew exactly what that felt like. Imagine being in slavery, over a million people being in slavery for over 400 years. Generation to generation to generation being born into slavery. So they cried out to God for, to them, for him to free them. He sent a dude named Moses. It was like, go set my people free. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful that we don't cry out to a deaf God. We don't cry out to a God that doesn't care about your problems, that doesn't care about your situation, but we cry out to a God that is alive and well yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So God heard their cries, set them free, showed them a really cool series of signs and wonders, and parted the Red Sea so they could walk on dry ground. And ended this little fun tour by taking them to the edge of the promised land. And here we catch up in Numbers 14, verse 1 through 4. It says, then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. They what? Okay, remember that. Why is the Lord taking us to this country to die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Now, this wasn't their first time complaining. Believe me, they had several really good complaining sessions. They were thirsty, so God sent some nice Voss water out of a rock. They were hungry, so God sent some good chicken nuggets from the sky. But, you know, they are vegan because they watched the movie What the Hell. So that's put a special order in. <laughs> Who's all watched What the Hell? Who are all vegans now? There's not that many hands. <laughs> I decided to start being vegan today, but I think I'm going to end today as well. <laughs> anyway, that's a different sermon. But it says in the Bible, even though they were tired of walking, their shoes never wore out. I'd be so happy if my shoes never wore out. I'll give God a praise break. But our generations we tend to complain about a lot of things. Can you agree? Yeah. yeah? So we tend to complain about a lot of things, like it's too hot, it's too cold, when is it going to start, when is it going to be over, it's too quiet, it's too loud, I'm so busy, I'm so bored. I mean, there's so many things that we complain about. But can I say this? Complaining is useless, so instead, give thanks. Complaining can't get you anywhere. It can't get you too far. But I wonder if instead wasting our time complaining about everything, can we give God praise for what he has done, for what he's going to do, and what he's doing in our life now? Can we thank God for everything? It says in Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything everything. I personally am not a big fan of this verse. It's not, I know, I know. It's not my favorite. My dad told me to put it in here, so, you know, got to obey him. <laughs> this is my only time to blast him out. Just kidding. <laughs> so, I don't feel empowered when I read this verse. It's really good, but it says, do everything 
without, now it doesn't say do everything with complaining and arguing or else I wouldn't be talking to you guys about this. But it says do everything without complaining and arguing. Let me put it this way. You can't complain your way to the promised land. You can't complain your way to success. You can't complain your way to increase. You can't complain your way to promotion. You can't complain your way to the promised land. The Israelites had their complaining sessions. Sometimes we have ours. Sometimes we get so fed up with what's happening around us that we end up pouring it all out on God. Complaining is something we do as soon as we hit an inconvenience. We don't mind being thankful till something happens that we don't like. But let me ask this question. Is God still good and is he still your God when things aren't going your way? Is he still the healing God that you thought he was when you get that bad medical report? Is he still the caring God that you thought he was when things in your financial life aren't going too well? Is he still the loving God that you thought he was when things in your personal life aren't going well? Is he still your God? Church, if you forgot, can I remind you of the God that we serve? Can I remind you that we serve a hopeful God? We serve a healing God. If you forgot 2,000 years ago, he died so we wouldn't have to. Conquer death, hell, and the grave for you and I. Yeah. I'm not saying that you have every, no right to complain. In fact, you have every right to complain. But that could be the very thing that is hindering you from your promised land. Why should we complain and be stuck when we could give the living God praise and move forward? Part of the word complain, it means to remain. Listen to this. The Israelites complained God sent them wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, circling the same mountain over and over and over again. But Jesus praised God from the cross, and he got raised from the dead. I'm telling you, complaint and praise are two different responses that we get to choose from when we're at our lowest of lows, when we hit rock bottom, when we're in our wilderness. Complain or praise. And sometimes if we're not careful, we begin to focus too much on our pro problem and not enough on our solution. Yeah. Not enough on the one that, on how God's going to bring us out of it. It says in Deuteronomy 2 verse 3, it says, yeah, I've been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn to the north. This is a little interesting. The trip from Egypt to the promised land was only supposed to be an 11-day journey and took 40 years. How do you mess that up? <laughs> 40 years. So many people take 40 years circling the same amount of addiction, the same amount of fear, the same amount of depression, which was only supposed to take 11 days, and they end up dying delivered but never freed. Are you guys awake today? Now, I'm not saying that you're going to die like, and never be free, but I am saying that you have to understand the difference between deliverance and freedom. Yeah. Your freedom is in the promised land. It's not in the wilderness. So please, church, stop looking back. Come on. Today, before you guys leave, I would like to give you three points that will help you get there. The first one is don't look back. 
don't look back. It's not worth it. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 4, let's read that again. It says, the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they, they, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better to return to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better to go back to the very place that we were stuck for 400 years? Wouldn't it be better for us to go to the place where we once cried out to God? We have to be careful that, about that we don't complain about what we once asked for. I don't know if you remember, but they complained. I mean, they cried out to God to free them, and he did. Because remember, we don't cry out to a deaf God. And he freed them, took them to the promised land, and now they want to go back. The devil can do an amazing job at making your past look a whole lot greater than your future. He could make your past look a lot closer than you are to your future. They're at the edge of their promised land. It's almost like their blessing turned into a curse for them. The Israelites left Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. You could be delivered from your old mindset from your old situation, but not freed from your old mindset, not freed from your old thinking, not freed from your old ways. Because listen to this, a person with a wilderness mentality will never understand a promised land Christian. I'm going to try it again. A person with a wilderness mentality will never, never understand a promised land Christian. The Israelites, they were changed, but they weren't transformed. Change is temporary. Transformation is permanent. Maybe some of you are wondering why you keep going back to your old ways. Why do you keep going back to your old thinking? Could it be, church, that you've been praying to be changed and not transformed? Could it be that you've been praying the wrong prayer this whole time and he answered it? The second point that I would like to leave with you guys is mountains are meant to conquer, not to camp on. Mountains are meant to conquer, not to camp on. For some of you, you were supposed to dump your mountain three, five years ago. You're supposed to dump your mountain long ago. Why do you keep this relationship going? In order to move into the purposes of God, you're going to have to deal with what's over here. You're going to have to deal with what's under the blanket, the thing that you don't normally talk about. Whatever it might be, it might be the thing you justify. That thought pattern, that addiction, that habit, that offense, that bitterness, whatever it might be, you have to deal with it now. Because if you don't deal with it now, you will never get over there. You can't get over there unless you deal with what's over here. But church, listen, if you let it go here, you will be able to go to places that you never thought you would go. Yeah. See places that you never thought you would see. But that's only if you deal with what's over there. Yeah. It's time to let go, get rid of the thing that is holding you back. Right now I have a quick illustration, if I can just have my sisters come up. Let's give a hand for my sisters.
This is going to be fun. Okay. Let's just say that this one represents my past. And this one represents my future. Past, future, future, past. Okay, what happens is, is that we want to live in our wilderness along with our promised land. Your past can only pull you backwards, and your future can only pull you forwards. But we want to live in both, so we hold on to both. But then you end up getting two different pools from two different sides, and you end up stuck. You end up maintaining where you are because if the devil can't get you to go back to Egypt, he'll get you stuck and distracted. Come on. Church, at some point, you're going to have to choose which one you're going to let go of. You're going to have to choose because you're pull they're pulling on you. They're pulling on you. You can't hold on to both much longer. To not choose is automatically choosing your past. To not choose is automatically going back to Egypt. To not choose is automatically going back to the very place that you were once freed from. But today, church, today, some of you are going to let this one go. Some of you are going to rip this off your life because past has no right to live with you any longer. This is enough playing games. There's no time. Your past can't paralyze you anymore. It's done. You've taken it off your life. It has no hold. And once you're done with this, you could go over here into the purposes that God intentionally had for your life. Pick up your future because your future is a lot better than your past. Then your future will begin to pull you and pull you and pull you. And you'll begin to see what God really had for your life. And once you're over here, you look back and see how empty that one was. You'll begin to see how it never satisfied you. It never could fill that void that you had in your heart. But then you'll see how satisfying, life-giving, and fulfilling this one is. Are you getting it? Amen. Let's give a hand for my sisters that helped me. last point that I would like to leave with you guys is be more committed to your future than you are to your past. Be more committed to your future. It says in Philippians 3.13, it says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. With the Israelites, a whole generation died because they wanted to bring their past into their future. They wanted to bring Egypt to the promised land. So God had to raise up a new generation. Maybe for some of you, you're gen for generations now in your family, was never freed from alcohol, was never freed from depression, was never freed from fear, insecurities, whatever it might be. You could be the first one to start living in confidence, start living in faith, start living in hope, start living in healing. You could be the first one to possess the promised land that God intentionally had for your family. You could end the generational curses and begin the generational blessings. If one generation doesn't possess the promise, God will always raise up another one. 
you got to keep moving forward. There's more land to conquer, more land to possess, more land to take over. For some of you, maybe it's leading a small group. Maybe it's attending a small group. Maybe it's going through growth track and getting on the dream team and seeing what it's like to change someone else's life. I can't have you just leave inspired today. I need you to take a step because if you just leave inspired, you don't know how long you could be here for Sunday after Sunday. Take a step because what happens is, is that you could think that you're good. We could think that we're doing really good moving forward, but we're really just looking forward and moving farther and farther away from it. It doesn't need to be a big step, just a little one. Because if you're faithful with this step, then God will provide the next one. And sooner than you know it, you begin to move forward into the places that God wants you to be. And you begin to focus on the one, the maker of the race, the champion of the race, and he will provide a way for you. Amen?